What's going on, everybody? Welcome into another episode of the Take It Easy Sports Show here on ArizonaVarsity.com. My name is Zach Elvira, and as always, I am joined by my co-host, Eric Newman. Eric, I'm curious, have you been able to secure the PS5 yet? No. It's sad. Sad day. No it PlayStation for me. Yeah, I've been trying myself, but so far, no luck. All those uh, all those botters are getting all of them and reselling them for like double the markup or something like that something yep. ridiculous like that yeah i uh i'm relegated to my playstation 4 which at this point i might as well be just throwing rocks um doing hieroglyphs in a cave <laughs> um playing pretend or something <laughs> along those lines something ancient I mean, hey, look, that's how I feel too, and I have the PlayStation 4 Pro. I mean, the the PS5 is all the rage right now. Same with the Xbox Series X and all that. And I mean, man, it's just like I don't, I don't, I don't even need a PS5, but it's like, you know, I want one. I just want it. You know what I mean? Yeah. No, I feel you. It's uh, there are a lot of things I don't need but want. That's part of being a human. Um, my dad once told me that. For every PlayStation Five that gets sent out, there's a <laughs> um, uh, uh, there's a child in Africa that doesn't even have a PS One. So <laughs> eat your PlayStation. Yeah. Okay, all right. Uh, I don't. I, I feel like your dad didn't say that. He um, might have. I mean, I think he would have made it a lot funnier than what you just made. Yeah, it. you're right. Yeah. All right. Anyway, we got a really good show ahead of us. Uh, Eric and I are going to be reviewing the games that we were at in the final regular season, or I guess I should say the final week of the regular season for the uh, the pandemic shortened AIA football season. Um, I said season a lot in there, and I kind of stumbled over my words. Um, we're also going to be looking ahead to the open division matchups, the six A matchups, five A, four A. Uh, we might even uh, jump into the 3A and 2A matchups a little bit there as well. I'm going to see if I can get Eric to uh, to do some predictions with me. I highly doubt that I'll be able to, but hey, it's worth a shot. Um, and uh, we're also going to be talking to Jordan Augustine. He is the head basketball coach at Ironwood, uh, 5A state champs last year. He also is a contributing writer for Prep Hoops Arizona. Um, definitely had a really good conversation with him. We actually recorded that just before we jumped on here to do our part. Uh, but to get things started, Eric, where were you on Friday night? I was at what proved to be a playoff preview. Um, Liberty hosted Centennial for the region, um, two teams that people thought um, – going in, uh, some people thought that the winner might go to the Open and the loser might be relegated to 6A playoffs. Um, it turned out that with the human element, both – uh, just because of their strength of schedule, they both played incredibly tough schedules, made it in. Um, but Centennial won that one 34-24. It was an absolute battle. Um, Liberty led almost the entire game. Um, and then about midway through the fourth quarter, Centennial's defense just got really hot. And uh, they took over and won, and it gave them just enough that when the two teams play this time, Centennial is a home game. Um, in the open division. So it was an awesome game. I, I was really impressed with Centennial's defense. They held them in that game, um, even though they uh, the offense was really banged up. Their starting quarterback 
um, a few offensive linemen, their run game just really held it together. And I was, I also thought that Liberty um, proved a lot, even though they lost, um, it took a ton of mistakes for them to lose against a really good Centennial team. So, you know, the, the, you don't want to say moral victories, but Liberty looked about as good as you could uh, in that situation while losing. You know, we'll get into that game a little bit more when we talk about the open division matchups a little bit, but um, kind of strange uh, in in many ways that they're playing again with obviously we, last time, like you mentioned, we thought there was going to be a playoff, you know, a, an open division playoff spot at stake. Now it seems like it, it's an open division semifinal spot that's going to be at stake with those two teams. Yeah, it is. It definitely is. Okay. I mean, it, it's just like one of those, I, I know... I mentioned this, I think, on Twitter with uh, with Gridiron Arizona, or I'm sorry, on on Ralph's um, you know playoff ranking show he did after the rankings were all announced on Saturday, and I think uh, Perry and Basha did that last year. They actually played in the final regular season game, yep, and they turned right around and played each other again. Obviously, that one was in the six A playoffs, not you know for an open division spot, um, but still really interesting nonetheless. And we'll get more into that you know later on in the show, but. Uh, for me personally, on Friday, I was at Mountain Point and Desert Vista, the Tukey Bowl. Uh, obviously, very different. Um, not quite as many fans. I'm sure it was the same for you at, at Liberty and Centennial. Um, you know, it didn't have quite the same atmosphere, but the intensity on the field between the two teams was just about as high as I've ever really seen it, to be honest. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, both teams came in winless, so they wanted to get that win, first of all. Uh, a huge momentum builder heading into the offseason. And Mountain Point was able to really establish dominance right away. Um, you know, I said against Mountain View that it was probably the best performance that I've seen from Mountain Point, um, you know, in, in almost two years. And they topped it against Desert Vista. And obviously, again, going for a win, the first win of the season against their rival, for bragging rights to get the trophy back for the first time in two years, they, they rose to the occasion. Um, you know, Amir Boyd had a great game on the ground. He also threw for nearly 50 yards through the air, threw a touchdown through the air to Kevin Sawitzki. He rushed for a touchdown, a long one, actually of like 51 yards where he reversed field and broke a tackle. It was just an amazing display of athleticism on his part. Um, Chris Arvizo, the second, the sophomore quarterback at Mountain Point, they kind of run a two quarterback system. He's more of the pocket passer type, whereas Amir's the, uh, you know, the um, RPO style quarterback um, or dual threat, I should say, maybe. Uh, Arvizo threw for over 200 yards, completed, I think, 18 of like 22 passes or something ridiculous like that. Um, found Kevin Sawitzki twice, found uh, Jaden Crockett in the end zone for a touchdown as well. He threw for two touchdowns and basically, or sorry, three touchdowns in two quarters along with 200 yards, which is an incredible stat line, especially for a sophomore at the varsity level. Um, but Mountain Point really just, you know, their defense stepped up. They were, for the most part, healthy, uh, at least healthier than they have been really all season long. Um, they were almost at full strength for the most part, uh, which really helped them. Obviously, Desert Vista was missing Devin Grubbs, which obviously you're missing Devin Grubbs. That's that's basically an entire part of your offense just gone. So, um, you know, Desert, Desert Vista did as well as they could have. They're a very young team. Mountain Point's also a pretty young team as well. Both teams, I think, will have better years next year. Um, but 
you know, winner of the Tukey Bowl, bragging rights, they get the trophy, Mountain Point. I mean, and there was no denying it. They wanted that game, and they wanted it bad. And they they showed that, and Eric Lauer got his first win. He got the ice bath after the game. And, yeah, I mean, it was it was overall just a really good showing by Mountain Point. That, that's really the whole, you know, conclusion to that long-winded, you know, description of how the game went. Well, uh I've been at the last two before this one, the last two Tukey Bowls, and Desert Vista won the the two I was at with you the last couple of years. And yeah. so um, to to have Mountain Point come back and get this one, it's meaningful for them. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, it was, it was funny. I think it was you actually that asked me. I don't know if it was on the podcast or in private, but I think you even asked me, like, who like, who is this game more meaningful to? Like, who would benefit the most from winning this game? And I even believed all along that Mountain Point was the answer to that question just because Desert Vista went to the semifinals last year. They were in the quarterfinals the year before that. Yeah. They're having a down year this year, but they lost a lot of seniors and people kind of assumed this would be a rebuilding year for Desert Vista. Um, Mountain point, obviously people assumed it'd be a rebuilding year again, but think about everything that that team went through last year, you know, one in nine, they had a coaching scandal they had a new head coach this year. They didn't really have an offseason to get to know that new head coach. I mean, this win for Mountain Point, I think, is a little bit more meaningful for them heading into the offseason where hopefully they're you know able to do more than I think it would have been for Desert Vista, who is kind of used to winning, and they know what they have coming back. They have a ton of talent coming back overall. And when they're healthy, they're going to be a scary good team as well. So, I mean, that that's kind of the way I was looking at it, where – this win definitely benefits Mountain Point, I think, a little bit more than Desert Vista, if Desert Vista would have won. Getting into playoffs now, what is there a particular game um, in uh, – we'll, we'll start with Open. Um, is there a particular game you're looking forward to? Um, yes. Um, I think – and this is one that I want to go into a little bit more, I think, probably after our conversation with Jordan. Um, I think Desert Edge versus Chandler is going to be interesting just because I want to see how Desert Edge reacts to a team of that caliber. Absolutely. Um, and like I said, I'm going to leave it at that because I do want to go into that a little bit more as far as like why they were placed there, you know, what you're thinking with that. Um, but I can say right now, the game that I will be at on Friday uh, more than likely anyway, the one I'm kind of leaning towards at this point is Corona del Sol and Hamilton. Um, you know, Nico Markey all got hurt, unfortunately, against Chandler. I don't know the the severity of that injury. I think it was his shoulder, and we'll see if he's able to go or not. I know Hamilton has a very, very talented backup quarterback. I think he's actually committed to – I think he's committed to USC in baseball. So, I mean, he's got an arm, that's for sure. Um, and he's athletic, of course. So – I think, I don't know, man. Like, I even asked Ralph this question, too, on his post-ranking post post, uh, post ranking show, if that's what you want to call it. Um, I asked if Hamilton's on upset alert, and even Chris Eaton kind of agreed with me. He said, if Nico can't play, then yes, because that Corona del Sol team, I've seen them play. They're good. Like, yeah, they played a weaker schedule, but they're no fluke. Um, <laughs> Quade Swearingen is a very athletic quarterback. Uh, Anyale Velasquez is a very tough, hard-nosed runner, and they've got some pretty 
big and speedy wideouts too. I mean, they're they're not a pushover by any means, um, and they they're a very good team for a seven seed as well. So, you know, Hamilton potentially on upset alert. I say it's it's a fringe upset alert because Hamilton still has a ton of talent, obviously on especially on defense, but you know something tells me that that might be one of the better games of the open division aside from Liberty and Centennial, of course. Yeah, man, let's get into, uh, we'll talk a little bit of desert edge Chandler, but first let's hear from Jordan Augustine. How about that? Yep. Sounds good. Jordan Augustine, like I mentioned before in the opening, uh, Ironwood head basketball coach won the five, a state title last year, uh, against millennium beating a very good millennium millennium team. And he also is a writer for Prep Hoops Arizona. So we kind of talked about how he got into that, um, you know, how he got into coaching and everything like that as well from ACU all the way on to Ironwood now. So here is Jordan Augustine. Jordan, how's it going? Thanks for joining us. Hey, Zach. Nice nice to be here. Eric, good to hear from you, buddy. Yes, sir. Um, this is a, It's a pleasure for me. You and I have talked um, – the last couple of years, I've gotten to actually cover your team a few times. Um, got to be there as you won the uh, state championship this last year in 5A basketball. Um, but part of the reason we wanted to bring you on is just because you, you've got some interesting stories we wanted to hear. Um, so I want to start back to how you got into uh, how you got into this position. But going back all the way to your early college days and everything you were you were a player for ACU basketball um what was what was it like back then I know ACU's changed a lot since you were playing there so it's it's a it's a whole nother um entity man it's so when I first went there was Southwestern um and and you had to sign a a statement of faith there was only 400 kids um, in the entire university. And, and it's funny because my freshman group was like, um, they were, they are pumped. It was the biggest, biggest incoming group that they, that they had ever had. Now you look at, they didn't have baseball. It was huge when we got baseball. Now they have football, you know, they're, they're pushing about a thousand kids and, and they're, you know, it's been a tremendous program, but yeah, it was, uh, you know, very, very Southern Baptist roots had to sign a statement of faith. I mean, there, there's kids like, like myself, that truthfully went went to school there and didn't didn't know the difference between Jesus and God, and, and kind of had to lie on a on a faith statement in order to get in. Um, <laughs> which, so, um, but hey, it was it was a tremendous it was a tremendous experience, and I, and I grew a lot as a as a person in my faith and and as a as a basketball player and, and as a coach. How did you actually get into coaching? So I. Uh, my, my, I played three years at Arizona Christian and, um, they actually had a policy at the time, my, my senior year, I had, I had set it up so that I'd graduate early. I took, I had taken 18 credit hours every semester, um, except for my freshman year. And, but they had a policy where you could not student teach and play basketball. Um, and so I was, I was going to coach Rudder got his, his first job, his, you know, it was his first year there. And so I was going to do my student teaching, then come back for a fifth year and play and sit that one year out. Um, and I and Coach Rudder and I talked, agreed for me to be a, a student assistant for that one year. Um, and it just worked out so well. And I ended up meeting my wife that year. Um, 
to the point where it's like, man, I, I'm I'm ready to get in the workforce. I love basketball, but it's time to to move on. And and he offered me a a, a position as an assistant coach there. Um, and then from there, it's you know I was I was teaching at Ironwood. I did my student teaching there while I was a student coach. Um, I got the job at Ironwood as a as a teacher, as an assistant at Arizona Christian for that one year. And then from there, I've I've been the Ironwood coach going into six six years now. But in between that, you failed to mention that you you went overseas and played some basketball over there. It's impressive. Um, and I know you and I have talked a little bit about this, but can you share a little bit about that experience and what kind of you were over in Europe for? So I went I went with a, a group called News Release, and their kind of their goal is to um, it's a faith based organization. They want to take guys overseas that they believe can play professional basketball. And, and you go and play um, for about about a month is how long I was there in Belgium and Germany um, were the two two locations I got to play. And so they, they have you playing against teams. And um, I think the top team we play, we played a couple teams in the second Regionale. It's different than America, right? Like we have the NBA and then and then the G League. Over there, there's, there, you know, depending on the country you're in, there's there's five, six Regionales or leagues. Um and and I played primarily against teams in the second regionale. We actually went went eight and one in the games that you know during the time we were there, um, and had an opportunity um, to stay if I if I chose. I ended up coming back, um, but it was it was an incredible experience. I would I was actually set to to do it with a different organization, but go as a coach this past summer, and then um, COVID changed changed everything like like it's continuing to do. So. It's uh, it, it's crazy to to have had that experience. Did you enjoy um that one year being the the assistant? Um, what was that like? Where you were just kind of thrown into the fire there, huh? So so I was the JV coach. I I meant I failed to mention this too. This is it's kind of it's it's a funny part of the story, and I probably shouldn't neglect to mention it. Um, so there's a one year transition where I thought I was done coaching. I had. Um, my first daughter, little little Raina, and and I had just been on the road so much with Arizona Christian um, that I told them I was done. And and during that time, Coach Hanson at Ironwood stepped down, and Will Warsilla, who was at Scottsdale Community College, took over. And he was actually a mutual friend, um, and he reached out to me and was really hard, like, "Hey, man, come coach with me at Ironwood, be my JV coach." And and my athletic director at the time was like, "Listen, we'll." Get, We'll get you the cross country job too. It'll help help provide for your family. It won't be as much of a time commitment. Um, so I end up getting getting the JV job for one year, and and somehow we go four and fourteen and lost more games by forty points than we won, and and somehow that was impressive enough for me to land a varsity coaching gig. So, <laughs> what was that transition from JV to varsity like for you? You know what it was. Uh, it it was it it wasn't as hard because I'd been on this campus for multiple years. I love Ironwood. Like if there's one place that 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 my wife and I could have could have seen me coaching, it's why I ultimately took took the JV job. Was just the the love I have for this community. It's a it's a tremendous place. But the one thing that was any anyone that asked me about it, like what was the hardest part, is is getting getting guys to believe that they can be winners. Um, getting them to have that confidence. I mean, we didn't we, – the next year, so I take – you know, we go 9-17, and 17, so I win more games at the varsity level with the same team that I had on the JV level pretty much. And then 
almost that same team goes 17 and 10 and all of a sudden Ironwood's a force and something we're talking about it. And yes, like skill development happened. We got kids to be passionate about basketball, but more than anything, we, we got kids to believe that they, that they could win, that get them that championship mentality. Um, and that, that was really, really hard to do, but very gratifying to see young men and believe that they can go in the world and they can go toe to toe with people and have success. You know, one of the things uh, to kind of go off of that a second here, um, you know, I saw that championship game between you and Millennium and, you know, Millennium was one of those teams coming in where everyone pretty much thought that they were going to be the unstoppable team. They're they're basically the Chandler of basketball, um, you know, obviously referring to Chandler as the football program in this case. But, you know, your team was extremely impressive. And I remember asking Eric, like, oh, who's that? Who's that? Who's that? Because I cover most of the East Valley teams only for the most part. So, you know, just to see how much your your team fought and, you know, went toe-to-toe with arguably some of the best players in the country, really, when it comes to high school basketball, where, where does that mentality, I guess, come from? Is it from, you know, your perspective as – you know, as coach to try to get them to believe in themselves, like you just mentioned? I think, I mean, it's it's taken a lot of years um, to get our guys to have that level of confidence. Um, we adopted a phrase last year, just a kid from Ironwood. And and that's re- really what it's rooted in is, is, is the belief, getting our guys to believe um, that regardless of where you, you grew up, right? Like if you're a West Valley kid, whether it's real or not, right? There's a perception that if you're a West Valley kid, that you you get quote unquote slept on right like like the east that nobody knows you if you're not from the east valley um and so get getting our guys to almost have have that underdog mentality train train like you're you're the underdog but believe that you're the champ at, at all times and all circumstances um and, and so we really hit on that like and drove that home last year and we've kind of tried to do that every year um but we're just some kids from ironwood man if you prepare the right way and you train the right way, um, you can go toe-to-toe with anyone and get – I mean, a lot a lot of kids, right, they, they think that if you show up to tryouts and, and your first day of practice and you really go hard, that you can go and be, beat a team like Millennium. Dude, that, that stuff's done five or six months before we ever select teams um, in the in the winter. Like, that's, that's desire, passion, preparation, all those things accumulating in, in this one moment where you've sacrificed – more than anyone else, um, time, blood, sweat, tears, and and you get to watch that moment culminate in in that gold ball, um, which is really special. So I think I think to answer your question, a long winded answer, like where does it come from? It's it's a daily belief in yourself that that you can be the best of which you're capable because you've done it every single day for an extended period of time. And we'll get back to your coaching and everything, um, because I know that's something you're really passionate about. But the way you and I met actually was a few years ago through uh, Prep Hoops. And you, I think you still, are you still contributing for them? Yes. Yeah, I'm still, I'm still on staff. Yeah. So, um, you know, writing and coaching, two completely separate things. And I know a lot of it comes down to um, you're able to see skills and everything, but you, um, you do some scouting and writing for them. Um, how did you get involved with prep hoops and what's that's been like? So when I went to Arizona Christian, again, it was a really, really small school. I did not plan 
to be an English, an English teacher. I had, I had five schools that I, I had um, an opportunity to play at. And, and I went there because I feel like it gave me the best opportunity for basketball. But what I really wanted to do was, was get a degree in journalism and be a sports writer. And the closest thing Arizona Christian had to that show you how mixed up my priorities were um, was, was secondary education with an emphasis in English. So I kind of had this plan that, that, Hey, I'm, I'm going to, I'm never going to use that degree. I'll end up getting my master's degree in, in journalism. Um, and I'll, I'll always have something kind of fall back on and, and shoot, I got into student teaching and ended up just absolutely loving, loving, uh, teaching. And so I went that, I went that route maybe to, to my own demise here. Um, <laughs> but, but so where, where the prep hoops thing came in is, is Brandon Dunson was on staff at, at Arizona Christian with me. Um, he had been the prep hoops guy in, in Illinois. Um, and was like, Hey, like if you, if you want to, if you want to get seriously into journalism or you want to seriously get into college coaching, you need to know guys and you need to be able to evaluate guys. And this is a route for you to make some money. Um, but also get like develop a lot of relationships with college coaches, work on your evaluation skills um, and shoot. Like is it's funny because you say those 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 worlds are very separate and they and, and sometimes they're not right. Like in, in some ways there's a separateness to it. But but I'd say there's you know, I think early on in my coaching career, I wasn't the most liked because as I'm coaching, I'm evaluating your kids to college coaches, too. And so there's kind of this you know, almost, almost like from some guys, like the, these feelings of, of, you know, like I'm going to go blow Ironwood out by 40 because this dude's not talking about my kids. But then on the other end, now that we've had success and, and we've, we haven't had a single senior in the last three years, not move on to play college basketball. And a lot of that is the relationships that I I've, I've gathered through prep hoops and through um, my short time as a coach at Arizona Christian and, and my own recruitment, obviously. What was, that, you know, you did writing and everything in school, um, but was it a difficult thing getting over and, you know, writing articles for publication on a regular basis? At first, no, because it's, I mean, like they, they have like a, a paywall status and you can see how many people access your article. And it's like, right. like five, five people are reading my, yeah. it's like <laughs> my grandma signed up today um, to read my <laughs> You're right. Like, but then once like prep hoops kind of took off in Arizona and, and it's nationwide, it's like, um, and people are walking up to you and don't even know you and they have an opinion about you, um, based on something you wrote. And it's, it's wild, right? Because on average, like I'm really, really into psychology. And I was actually reading something a, about a week ago and the psychologist was saying on average, you share your opinion about somebody with 10 different people. And so you have these people who have opinions about you based on something you wrote and you don't, you don't know the person whatsoever. And they're, they're saying, you know, whatever, it, it could be a favorable thing. Oh, that's a great guy. You know, he said great things about my kid. Um, and so it did get to a point where, where I've actually stepped back quite a bit from prep hoops as Ironwood's become more prominent because of that reason that's all right, you know, what, what image am I putting out there? What are people saying about our culture and our community based on their perception of me as a writer? And so it's kind of, kind of forced me to tone it down a little bit. Is it tough to, um, you know, kind of keep objective and everything? Because I'm guessing a lot of the guys that you've seen in, and I know a lot of it's club tournaments and things of that sort, you're kind of not doing it as much when you're in the season, especially because you're not, um, you're focused on your own team. But is it tough to, you know, kind of evaluate kids that maybe you'll go up against 
or will be on your team in the future or anything? Yeah, oh, one hundred percent. So, and and just to safeguard myself from stuff like that, like we, there were channels. Like I'd I'd have another rider on the staff. Anytime I mentioned one of my kids, look at I, I constantly had my stuff peer peer reviewed by by other riders on prep hoops. Just make sure I was being objective. The part the part that I gained the most out of because I love scouting. Like that's that's something that that we do really well at Ironwood. Um, I love calling college coaches. Like my favorite non Ironwood basketball player. Um, is Kyle Fisher, right? Played his Sunny Slope, won two state championships. And and I just because of prep hoops and playing in his region, I got I got to I got to talk to a lot of college coaches on his behalf. I got to ride a lot. Um so I, I've really enjoyed that component of it. But it it it, it does become challenging. You gotta make sure you stay objective. But but even no matter how objective you are there's always somebody that's going to look your article and be like, ah, that's, that's cause he's the coach and I ah, that's the, this, that, and the other. And, and, and you just got to do the best of what you're capable. I mean, you guys deal with that on a daily basis. It's not always about who you write about. A lot of times it's about who you don't write about um, to get you, get you in trouble. Yeah, definitely. I'm curious though, because you know how parents are these days. Has, have any parents ever accused you of like, scouting or like recruiting other players stuff like that even when you're just doing your prep hoops job no nothing directly related to preps prep hoops with that stuff i mean it's i've i've i haven't heard that complaint yet i mean i could see it you know um yeah. uh but but re- really like i i think the reality is that any time that you're having success right like you hear this about the prominent football programs prominent basketball programs there's there's always going to be the person out there who's who's going to make those statements and say those things. And, and, um, and as a coach, you have to have thick skin, man. Like that, I think that's, that's probably one of the biggest pieces of advice I have for young guys. If, if, you know, G, I, I said this on Twitter and I got to give credit to Mark Wood, you know, Jesus had 12 apostles and it was one of his own apostles that he couldn't please this, that ended up hurt, harming him. Right. Um, and so if, if even one, like one of your close friends will do that, you, you can only imagine what your enemies and people who are jealous of your position are willing to do. So you just always got to be cognizant, do your, do your best, be transparent. Um, and, and again, you can't, you can't worry about all the noises because you're not going to be able to please everybody. I know this may be kind of difficult, but from a writer's perspective, how much has the high school basketball landscape changed here in Arizona with the prep schools and – you know, different club teams. We see players, you know, now even going out of state. Um, I know both um, Marcus Howard and then his older brother, for some reason, his older brother's name is, is escaping me, but they both went out of state actually to to finish out their high school careers. Am I, am I right on that one? Yeah. So I think I think his oldest brother did finish at Perry first, then went to Central Arkansas. Oh, okay. He did finish at Perry. Okay. And, and then his brother, his brother left, went to, went to a, a prep school and um, but yeah, so to, to answer your question, how, how have, I just make sure I understand how have prep schools, um, how's this, the air, the scene in the basketball scene in Arizona shifted? Is that, is that what you're asking? Yeah. Yeah. From a writer's perspective, more than a coach's perspective, perspective, if you can, I know it might be difficult, but <laughs> I, I think one, one thing that I've really, I've really noticed is right. Like a lot of the prep schools there, there's a couple that, that are taking Arizona kids, but most of the, most of the prep prep schools from a writer's perspective are taking out of state kids. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think what's been disheartening to me, and I'm speaking in generalities is, is I think it's, 
it's kind of like anytime you get something new, it's the cool thing, right? Like I'm, I, I'm over that old, old used toy, like, and, and there's something new. There's some, there's something captivating. And, and we, like, we have a lot of talented kids in Arizona still playing in the AIA that, that don't get as much love from a writer's perspective or, or, or from an evaluator's perspective because it's not the cute new thing. Um, and, and, and I mean, I'll, I'll tell you, like, if you, if you dissect our journey through, you know, from a, now going like writer's perspective, dive, you know, dissecting the 5A state tournament last year, Sunny Slope and Millennium are, are incredible teams in the Final Four. South Mountain's an incredible – like, those, all four of those teams, us and, and those three, could compete with with anybody. Um, and, and so, like, I, I think that there's a lot of talent here that, that maybe isn't getting the same notoriety as it's gotten previously. It makes sense, and it's it seems as if um, – and correct me if I'm wrong – I think the basketball scene just in general has gotten bigger over the last um, however many years in Arizona. It seems like every year there's more awesome kids coming up that you haven't heard about and are making big ways. Have you seen the scene kind of change for the better in general? I think, I think it's yes, yes and no. Right. I, I think, I think again, valuing as a writer, there's way, there's a lot of talented kids come to Arizona. Um, and that, and that's awesome. Right. That's, it's really exciting, um, you know, for for our for for the community, for the hoops community. I don't think there's been a a better time, right? Like as you evaluate the amount of talent here, I don't I don't think there's been a better time to be a basketball phenom or or, or, or fan, you know, or fanatic is the word I'm looking for than right now. There's been plenty of talent in Arizona, but I think there's there's more now. There's there's just a, a lot of it coming in from out of state, and there's a lot of really talented kids in state. So. So yeah, I would say on a cumulative level, um, there's a lot of excitement to it. But I, I do think um, that the traditional route has has taken a hit in that excitement, um, which is really unfortunate because there's a lot of things that your traditional school can provide you that that, that that's a bigger ultimate experience, in my opinion, um, than what a lot of a lot of these programs are offering. How about the uh, coaching community here? I just have it. I'm obviously not part of it because I'm not a coach, but from the outside looking in, it seems as if when you look on social media and you look and uh, see what everybody's doing, it seems like there's kind of a um, fraternity. And I, I mean that in a, uh, a, a familial sense rather than just brothers because there's a lot of great female coaches too but the the coaching community here seems to really just support each other really heavily is that what your experience has been there's there's so like you talk about getting thrown to the wolves right like, i i pretty much jv to varsity building a program and, and the amount of in, individuals who reached out to me you know the, the mark woods the um the Matt Kings, like the, 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 there's just so many tremendous guys within the Arizona basketball coaches community who do it for, for the transcendent value and the transformational purpose um, who really look out for guys. And it's it, honestly, as a competitor, it's the weirdest thing in the world to me. Um, Cause I just want like, right. Like when I first came in, I was like, dude, I, I don't want to talk to you. I want to beat you. Um, I don't want to be your friend. Um, 
And, and then you, you start as you, as you grow and mature, it's like, man, Mark Wood didn't need to spend 30, 30 minutes, 45 minutes on the phone with me right there. Like, why is he doing it? And, and I think there's, there's a mentality um, with a lot of these coach rights. They want to make the coaching community stronger than it was when, when they first got in the door, they want to make it a better place. And, and, it, and it's, they've taken that initiative to really create um, a tremendous environment for young coaches um, I mean, I, I was reading, a, I was listening to a podcast. This is old now, but Hardwood Hustle, long time ago, they they did a study that, on average, the varsity coach lasts about two point five years, and that number used to be like I think they said eleven years, not too long ago. Um, so having a close knit community like they've provided is is incredible. I don't I don't think I'd be entering year six if I didn't have all the support. Um, you know, Zach mentioned earlier. The, all, all, some of the craziness that can go into, you know, the, a community. Um, fortunately, I've been blessed with a pretty good community here, but there, there are challenges and there are days where it's like, man, why, why am I doing this? And you, you have those coaches there um, to help pick you up. Leadership can be a very lonely position. I kind of want to dive into a, a little bit more with your coaching aspect, with the coaching aspect of your life, I should say. Um, AIA recently announced that all winter sports are going to be pushed back until after January 5th. Um, I w- I'm curious to get your opinion on that. Are you happy that there's at least a plan? Are you disappointed because you felt like you were ready to go on November 9th? Uh, what's kind of your thoughts behind that decision? I, I just, I want to do whatever's best for kids. And if, if they have, if, if we needed time, um, to do what's best for kids, then, then, then great. You know, I think, I think there's a lot of wins to it. I, I'm pro- probably going to get myself in trouble here because I don't know how many high school coaches would agree. But, um, getting away from the holidays, um, you know, it provide, you know, seeing what, what happens with the COVID. Now it gives, it just gives us, it gives us time. There's a plan in place, even in the worst case of scenarios to ensure the kids are playing games. Um, and so I, th- I think the AI, I applaud the IA and David Hines, um, and anyone who was involved in that decision, because I, I think they they made a decision. The easy decision would have been to, to cancel. Um, yeah. and, and a lot of states are doing that. I, I think the AIA looked at it objectively and said, our kids are most safe playing with their high school teams. Our kids are getting the best experience playing with their high school teams. So how can we create an even safer environment to make it happen? Um, and it just it, it, it absolutely is incredible, the decision that they made, the way they went about it. And I think they have a solid plan in place to, you know, I, I, right with no other with no other really precedent on, in the middle of a pandemic to go on. I think they've come together and create a really good plan to, to ensure that we have a season. What's kind of the next uh, few weeks look like for you and your team? Are you guys going to do some workouts? Are you allowed to do any tryouts? I know Chandler Unified is doing uh, tryouts on November 30th, and that's just based on zip codes, I believe. But um, you know, what's kind of the plan for you and your team the next couple weeks to even the next month leading up to the start of the season? So our, our, our leadership, first of all, in our district and, and at Ironwood is incredible. And they're, they're having those conversations, right? Like we actually have the week off from school and they're having those conversations right now and figuring out, um, an equitable and safe start date for us. The requirement is you, as you know, is you have to have 14 practices in, um, so where, wherever you can, you know, find that that time, that balance, um, we're still we're still allowed to, to train. Um, we're in a modified phase three. So, so no contact, no live drills. Um, 
you know, so we're able to keep kids in the gym and in a safe environment. Um, and then, you know, as soon as we get that, that green light, that it's time to try out. Um, and, and again, we, we, I trust our, our leadership. They'll make the right decision on when it's appropriate. Um, and so that, that, yeah, every, every district's going to be a little bit different on that. Most, most districts are starting November 30th or December 7th via, via the Twitter resource here. Um, yeah. able to see when guys are going. What is that like trying to conduct workouts and and have these kids in the gym when you know very well that if someone were to walk in and you one player just happens to be doing the wrong thing against guidelines, maybe you guys would get in trouble. It has been difficult to try to mandate all of that on top of, I guess, the usual things you would do in the offseason. I, I think a lot like we really train our guys before we ever get in the gym and I mean, shoot, like. To that end, I mean, here's how COVID hit us. We win a state championship. We go on spring break the next week, and we never come back. Yeah, um, we didn't. We didn't get to sell. We didn't get to have a banquet, right? Like, it has not been hard to sell my guys on on what they can lose because of COVID, right? We win our first ever state championship, and we still haven't adequately celebrated. Um, uh, like that's that's just what. So I think I think as awesome as last season was, there's a lot of guys that feel like they. They had an awesome experience taken away from them, um, you know, not not because of anything our school or our district did wrong, right? But there's a pandemic and and just tough decisions had to be made to to support what was best for kids. Um, and so I, I to to answer your question, we we prep as coaches. I, I'm probably sending an email out every day with with protocols. I'm really training my guys up. We're talking to the kids about it. We're enforcing it. Um, we have tape pretty much everywhere in the gym. And, and in the weight room to keep kids six feet apart. Um, you know, we're, we're not taking it lightly because we, we know, um, we know th- what the consequences are of this. And it's not just that we don't have a season like that. Um, you can, you know, there, there's real people who have real stories about people close to them dying or having long-term cons, you know, issues because of this, and then yes, there is the ramifications of losing your season. So our guys, our guys were constantly have to reinforce it, but they're, do- they're doing really well with it. And one thing that you mentioned that it kind of brought me back to Desert Vista, because that's one of the teams, obviously, that I covered very heavily last year for Ahwatukee, and just because it's an East Valley team. You know, Gino Crump, great guy, great coach. I, I you know, I, during the basketball season especially, I, I talked to him almost on a daily basis. You know, he, it was funny. He he kind of said the same thing that you that you did. They weren't really able to truly celebrate their championship because, you know, like you said, they win the championship, they have a couple of days off, they're on spring break, and all of a sudden they don't go back to school. They didn't even get their championship rings until I think July. <laughs> so uh, that, that makes me want to ask you, when did you guys actually get your championship rings, if you have yet? No, so great question. I, we actually had a little bit of foresight on this. Um, and it was like, hey, we need, we need to get our rings sized immediately. Um, we, we already had... Um, kind of a guy in mind that could do do the rings for us. So we we got on we got on the ball pretty pretty quickly and actually got our rings um, in June. Um, so it's, it took time right for it to get done, but but we were able to get it done um, relatively quickly. Um, I mean, I, I've I, I've I'm a planner, yeah. So I mm. like all right. If worst case scenario happens with this thing, we have all the ring sizes. We're able to move on. Um, but the reality is, I mean, it, talking about what you said with Gino, 
unless we're playing in a game or we're we're in training, I I wear my state championship ring every single day because I I didn't believe I, I didn't believe I thought I w- I was telling teachers like man give this thing two weeks and it'll run its course and we'll be right back here um and it'll be over and and it, the ring for me symbolized like just the uncertainty of life like cherish cherish the moments because you you never know the value of a moment until it's a memory um and you can't go back and, and relive it. So, you know, that's kind of our ring for me is a reminder of a, all the hard work and preparation that went into this thing um, and all the kids that hopefully we've impacted, but ultimately to, to value your seconds, man, because you, you never know what, what uncertainty or what thing can happen in that next moment. You know, one thing that I always did, or I guess I shouldn't say always did, but one thing I do from time to time is, you know, I remember taking a video of the arena during that six, a championship between mountain point and desert Vista and I mean, it was packed and it was the same way for 5A as well with you and Millennium. Um, it was packed. The energy was amazing. Obviously, it's not easy to fill, you know, Sun Devil uh, or what I can't remember what it's called now, but ASU's basketball arena. It's not easy to fill that. But for the most part, both games did pretty close to or did a pretty good job of getting it pretty close to being at full capacity. It, it And you already mentioned this, too, but it's crazy to look back at that and say, man, that was eight months ago. And now if we packed into an arena like that, health experts would be going crazy at us. Right. No, well, absolutely. I mean, <laughs> and shoot as, as packed as, as the state championship was, I mean, go, go watch our games against Nogales and Sunny Slope. Um, yeah. I mean, first of all, Nogales' fan base is awesome. Like if you guys have never had one of their games, I, they bus fulls up here. Um, packing our gym, just great excitement and energy. I mean, that, that was the closest we came to losing losing a game. We ended up winning by 25, but we were down one with six minutes left in that game and and went on like a, a almost like a 32 to zero run, if I'm remembering correctly, um, to pull it out. But they uh, they had us on the ropes. Yeah, I uh, I was at that game when, uh, when you played against Sunny Slope, and it was you're right the the entire gym was packed. Um, I was lucky to find a seat to sit at. Um, I think people were standing in the background and everything, um, if I'm not mistaken. But Jordan, we wanted to uh, say thank you. Uh, we won't take too much more of your time. Um, we really appreciate you coming on and sharing your story. I just want to ask you, uh, plug yourself a little bit. Where can we find your work? Um, maybe your social media, stuff like that. Where can people find you? Yeah, so um, I won't give you my home address. Don't find me there. <laughs> I, uh, I mean, you, first of all, you can find me in Ironwoods gym. I'm, I'm here a lot. This is my second home. I, I actually live about five minutes away from here. And, um, this place is really special. It's, it's changed my life. I mean, I, I could not, I never in a million years, right. Every, every kid is like, Oh, I'm going to, I'm going to make it in the NBA someday. Never in a million years because I had pictured myself being a high school English teacher, basketball coach, and just and just loving a community at the magnitude that I love this place. So you can find me in our gym on social media. Um, I'm on Twitter, J Augustine or uh, J A. Sorry, it's actually J A Prep Hoops A Z. Um, not really on Instagram, like Ironwood Instagram is IHS um, Eagles, and then and then our our Twitter is the same. Um, you know, we're 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 active on the social media game, so we're we're creating that digital footprint, giving our kids an experience, especially with all this craziness in the world. 
Right on. Jordan, thank you so much for joining us again. It was great talking to you. Uh, I know I haven't officially met you in person yet, but uh, hopefully we can change that this basketball season coming up. Hey, just don't shake my hand, man. <laughs> no, 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 no. We'll go for the elbows. That's all we'll do. Oh, I, hey, Zach, I, I've, I've, I've watched your work, man. You're, you know, nothing but the utmost respect. I appreciate you having me on here, and, and Eric, just, just a stand-up guy. I mean, one, I got, I got to say one more thing here before you kick me off. Um, go for it. Eric actually sent me the article he, he wrote about the state championship and it's it's in in my house um sorry i got a phone call here rookie mistake didn't put the phone on silent no you're good don't worry about it <laughs> um but no it's 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 in my house it's it's framed and something that really means a lot to me again like you never know the the value of a moment until it's a memory um and that that article is awesome so, so thank you for that eric thank you guys for having me on here Stay safe, fellas, and uh, and ho- hopefully I'll get to see you guys at, at some of our games sooner rather than later. Thank you again to Jordan Augustine for joining us. Make sure to give him a follow on Twitter. Make sure to give Ironwood Basketball Team a follow on Instagram and Twitter as well and catch all of his content on Arizona Prep Hoops. All right, Eric, we're going to go right back into the open division discussions. Desert Edge, undefeated, 5A team, beat a very good Cactus team, beat a couple other very good teams, went up to 6A level and beat some teams there. Had a very tough schedule overall. Impressive defense. You know, obviously a superstar quarterback on offense. Eight, eight seed. What do you think is the reason for that? I think it's just that, you know, they did have a tough schedule. Their region of 5A produced three other playoff teams in the 5A bracket. Sunny or Sunrise Mountain, Ironwood, and Verado, all from that same region and they played all of those and beat all of those teams. Um but they had a couple easier games. They played Mesa. Um they played Canyon View and both of those were, you know, teams that weren't anywhere near the playoffs. And I don't know that that's the reason, but I think it's just that they, a lot of these other teams in the open, um, besides Corona, really, a lot of them played against other open teams. Chandler did, Liberty did, Centennial did. South Point didn't just because of their, their Tucson schedule and everything, but Saguaro did and Hamilton did. A lot of them all played each other. Um, and Desert Edge just uh, for scheduling reasons and everything didn't. And the human element, I don't know uh, who ended up making those decisions. Um, but the thing about the eighth seed is they have to play Chandler. And I know for a fact that the Desert Edge coaches, the Carter brothers, were, um, I guess you could say, frustrated. That Not that they had to play Chandler, though, because... That's just if you're going to be in the playoffs, that's who you're going to have to run into that team if you want to win the championship anyway. They were upset with the eight seed because um, they just they didn't think it was giving them enough credit because they have beaten some other good playoff teams. They beat um, Sandra Day O'Connor, who at the time didn't look like a playoff squad, but now is the third seed in the six A bracket and. You know, it's it's just tough. And they beat Cactus, who's one of the best teams in 4A, blanked them. And I think it's just that, you know, they're, they haven't been tested 
against some of these other teams. So there's that level of uncertainty. So I think that it would have been silly to not have them in. I just don't know who else you put them in front of. Maybe uh, Corona, maybe South Point, but some of these other teams have proven that they can battle with these open squads. So I don't know. Um, it's hard to be too upset if you're them because they made the bracket and that's what matters. Yeah, and you know it was interesting to me because I definitely had them as like a three seed, and the reason why I had them above Sawaro not because I think Sawaro is better than them. I'm sorry, because I think Desert Edge is better than Sawaro, but I thought that's kind of how the committee would think, just because Desert Edge was obviously undefeated. Um, but I mean, hey, that that kind of sets up a potential semifinal rematch between Sawaro and Hamilton, which would be pretty good, obviously, and we saw that game you know, earlier this season on ESPN as well. But going back to Desert Edge, um, I was surprised. I was actually really yeah, surprised. Was that, that that was one of those, when those rankings came in, I was like, whoa, wait a minute. <laughs> what's what's going on there? That's, that's kind of strange. Um, but I don't know. And I think, I think arguably I was more surprised at the fact that Liberty and Centennial made it. Um, because I think I think you kind of agree with me where that game was, in my opinion, whoever won was in the open. The other one went to the five A, or or six A. I'm sorry, only six A. My bad. Um, whoever didn't win obviously went to the six A conference tournament. But I don't know. Was that surprising to you to see both of those teams get in? Yes, I didn't think it would happen. But now that it has, I get it. Um, I think if you're talking specifically just about who the eight most talented teams in the state are, it's hard to argue that either of those teams shouldn't be in there. Um, what I am surprised is that Liberty's a five seed with three losses. Um, mm -hmm. I thought they might, if they were going to, might sneak in at that eight spot or something like that. But, you know, they're, they're one of the only teams that um, even they didn't have a chance of beating Chandler in the game they played, but they actually put up a little bit of a fight and made some plays. Um, and you know, they played Centennial who's proven to be a great team, really close, almost beat them. Um, and you know, it just, I, I get it. You want to have the teams that have more wins or less losses in, but when you're arguing just pure talent and ability to play in one of these big games, um, the fact that they're playing against Centennial and it's going to be a close game in the open um, says that Liberty deserves to be in this spot. Yeah, no, I agree with you. I mean, Liberty is definitely a good team. Like, I think I think they are among the best eight teams, um, if not at least the best ten teams. Um, but. I don't know. I just thought it was kind of strange that that they that both of them got in. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I guess that's why I'm not on the committee. Um, looking further down the bracket, South Point Catholic and Saguaro. These two teams battled it out in 4A for several years. Obviously, Saguaro pretty much won every matchup they had, but South Point was always right there with Saguaro as as the as the two best teams in the 4A conference. Now both of them are in 5A, and for the second straight year, both of them are in the open division as well. Um, what's kind of your take on that matchup? Well, and that's also something I've been thinking about with um, when we were talking about Desert Edge. And I'll get back to the question you just asked me. Is Desert Edge was a 4A team last year, too. 
Um, yep. And that's something we can't forget. And I don't know if that's played into the decision is that last year, this not exact same because they've got some transfers and everyone's grown up a year and they've got a lot of the same guys back, but they got destroyed by South Point and Saguaro last year, um, this Desert Edge team. And so they're really, they just moved up to, um, so maybe that had something to do with it. But South Point Catholic Saguaro, um, I think he's going to be an excellent game. I think Saguaro will probably come out on top because they've proven to be, again, and a, an awesome team. They had yeah. some really bad luck in terms of teams not being able to play them this year. And I can't imagine how stressful it's been for Coach Mons and their ADs, uh, their uh, athletic staff, I should say, um, to get all those games scheduled. But, you know, they've proven a lot. And they, they only lost by a touchdown to Hamilton. Um, and I think a three seed, you could argue... Maybe they should be a four, maybe should be this, but it's hard to think that they're probably not the third or fourth best team in the state. Yeah, no, definitely. I think I think is definitely up there. And like I said before, the only reason I didn't have them as three in my open division rankings was because I thought, you know, I was trying to think as if someone on the committee would see them and say, okay, well, they have a loss. Desert Edge doesn't. So maybe, you know, put them at four instead of three. But, yeah, you know. Clearly, that's not how they felt, and I still agree with them. I think Saguaro is one of the best teams in the state, the top three. So uh, I think they got it right with that one. Um, This matchup to me is pretty interesting. I know I want to say Chili said that he was going to go to this one. I I could be wrong. I'm sure there will be a lot of media members at this one as well, but I don't know. Um, You know, this Saguaro team, we haven't been able to see them as much as I would like to. Uh, they're still doing a two quarterback system as well with Ridge Duchacall and Xander Werner, but it's working. Um, you know, I mean, it, it definitely makes the defense kind of have to switch things up, you know, really mid game whenever they switch out. And obviously they've got a ton of athletes. They've got, you know, a very, very good defense, especially on that defensive line. Um, I don't know. Like, I think, I think this will be a really good game, but I just can't help but think that Sawara is just the better team you know, by at least two or three touchdowns. And I, I could be totally wrong on that. I know you're not going to give me a prediction or anything like that, and that's fine. But I don't know. I think that's just kind of how I see this game going. I think I would have loved to see a Saguaro Desert Edge matchup. That would have been awesome. Um, especially if you you weren't going to put Desert Edge in the top four, then I think you put them at six and let them go face Saguaro right away. And that would have been an epic, epic matchup. Uh, yeah, I would have, agreed. I would have loved to see that one, but um, who knows? Maybe, I mean, I don't even want to say that because let's be honest, I, I, sorry, Desert Edge, but I'm pretty sure Chandler's got this one. But um, maybe in a couple, maybe next year, the year after that, we can we can see them kind of line it up against each other. I think that'd be really cool. Um, the game that I already talked about, Hamilton and Corona del Sol. What do you, what are your thoughts on that one? I've already shared mine. So, I kind of feel the same way is Hamilton is, is should be far and away favored in this one. Um, Nico Marquial or not. But Corona, that doesn't mean Corona's not a great team. Um, yep. And they've had, you know, arguably their best season ever. And I think that this, uh, whether it ends up being a good game or Cor- Hamilton beats them by a lot or Corona keeps it close or even wins, I think that, it's just shown a lot for a team um, 
to have gotten to this point that no one really expected. What was weird was after that first week, I think people weren't expecting much from them, but when they won that first game, there was, at least on our forum, we're like, could they win? Like, could they win all these games? No. And I think it just, uh, no one realized that until they won that first one. So it's it's been an impressive thing. I it, This is not much of a prediction, but I think Hamilton will probably win that game. And I think mm-hmm. they'll probably win it pretty easily. But okay. that doesn't necessarily mean that, um, uh, that that isn't a slight on Corona in the in the slightest. So we went through all those games in particular. I think we should go through 6A through 4A, uh, maybe okay. just talk about one or two in yep. those conferences that we're looking forward to. Do you have one in 6A or do you want me to start? Um, so 6A, I have a couple. Um, one of them I'll go a little bit more in depth on. Um, Castile Highland is going to be very good. I'll just say that right off the bat. Four or yep. five matchup. Um, that'll be interesting to see who comes out on top of that one. Both very, very good teams. Both, you know, arguably one loss away from potentially being an open division team. Um, but I think, you know, I, let me let me back up. There's three games. Uh, I'm not going to I'm only going to talk about one, though, kind of in depth. Uh, Basha, Sandra Day O'Connor. Eagles, you are officially on upset alert. I'm going to throw it out there right now. Uh, that Basha team is red hot right now. And personally, I would not want to see them in the first round of the playoffs if I were an opposing team. Now, Senator O'Connor can maybe prove me wrong. Great. Go for it. But Chris McDonald has that team playing at a very high level right now. Chaparral and Queen Creek. And I'm sorry if I'm taking the game that you want to talk about, Eric. Um, You've already taken three-fourths of the games in the entire bracket, Zach. Yeah, but I, I, didn't, <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't go too in-depth with them, though. I, I'm um, uh, Queen Creek, you are also on upset alert, in my opinion. Uh, Queen Creek is very good. They have a ton of talent. They have five Division One players on their defense. Chaparral is one of those teams that obviously people know is good, but might be kind of unknown because they didn't play very many games. But let me tell you this right now. Jared Williams is by far one of the best running backs in the state. He is also one of the most underrated running backs in the state. He has a huge offensive line in front of him. And Brayton Silbor is one incredible quarterback. And then you go to their defense where they have a monster defensive line. Obviously a good secondary uh, and a good group of linebackers. This Chaparral team is not one to mess with. Um, they were given a shot at the playoffs. I think they feel like they're the underdogs because they're a seven seed. And I know they believe that they're higher than that. Queen Creek better not overlook the Chaparral team, or I think they're going to get sent home early. And no even, even if they, even if they don't overlook the Chaparral team, I'll be honest, Eric, I'm going to say right now that I'm picking Chaparral. I think Chaparral is going to go to Queen Creek and win that ball game. Chaparral is a team that could legitimately win this entire bracket. A hundred and ten percent. Yeah, I um I think that they are that offense is as high powered as any in uh the six A tournament. I I mean uh, I'm not going to project who will win or won't, but I think that it it'd be hard to argue against them as a team that could win in any single game. 
Um, yeah. You mentioned before the one I want to get into um, and just speak to bring it all around. Shadow Ridge takes on Boulder Creek. I think Boulder Creek will probably win that one. Although Shadow yeah, Ridge is a too. great game, but back to Sandra Day. Um, it's kind of a it's a weird one because Sandra Day is the favorite just based on seeding. But Bash is the team that's been there before. Even though they're young, Mm -hmm. Sandra Day hasn't been to the playoffs in a really long time. Um, And they haven't won a playoff game in even longer than that. It's Coach Casey's first time being there with that team. They're really senior heavy, especially on defense. Um, Or on offense, I mean. Their defense has some younger guys. But on offense, their skill players are all seniors. And... I think it's just it's going to be interesting to see. I don't think anybody expected them to be the three seed. Um, no. They expected yeah. to be in the playoffs, but I don't know uh, that they were expecting to have a home game. And um, I think that's going to be a really interesting one. It's going to be one that could I I could see it going pretty high scoring um, because we've seen the the rise of Demon Williams at Basha, but. That's going to be a really hard one to predict because I think even though they're the older team, they're going to have just as many nerves um, as the younger Basha team just because they haven't been in this position before. So I'm excited for that one. You know, and a lot of people talk about how young Basha is, obviously, with Damon Williams, like you mentioned. They've got Miles Lockhart, who's the starting cornerback um, on their defense, and he's only a freshman as well. But... You know, the one thing that people kind of forget about with this Basha team is they do have that veteran leadership that's been to the playoffs before, like you already mentioned. Um, Andrell Barney, the the unsung leader of that team, you know, he he took Basha to the playoffs last year. Um, you've got Wyatt Milkovic, who's only a sophomore, transferred from Hamilton. He was a starting defensive lineman at Hamilton when they made their run to the Open Division semifinals last year. He knows what it takes to play in big games against good competition and then you know you you've got guys really just all across their roster i mean caleb jones the senior running back who who i you know praised when i saw him against desert vista because he was phenomenal in that game on both offense and defense he's another guy who knows what it takes to get to the playoffs and this is a team that almost came back and beat desert vista last year before desert vista's defense kind of took over and got a couple pick sixes in the opening round of the 6A playoffs. Yeah, this I is, think... This is, look, Basha's not a 6 seed. I'll just say it right now. Basha's not a 6 seed. Basha could very easily be one win away from the open division or the number 2 or 1 seed in the 6A playoffs. Yeah, definitely. I think it's going to be a great game. How about 5A? Is there any that you're looking forward to? So, 5A, uh, Campo Verde Cactus Shadows kind of jumps out at me, as yep. well as the Ironwood Desert Mountain game. Um, and I know, you know, you've seen a lot of these other teams in the 5A conference a little bit more than I have. Um, obviously I know about Campo Verde, uh, Desert Mountain. I saw, you know, last year when they were kind of building with Conrad Hamilton at head coach, and he's done a phenomenal job this year to help them, you know, secure the three seed. Um, but Campo Verde, I mean, they had to cancel two games because of COVID. Uh, Ryan Freeman steps up from defensive coordinator to head coach this year. Um, I, I mean, Campo Verde is still a very good football team. Uh, they lost to South Point Catholic. I think that was actually their one of their only losses. They also lost to another team, if I'm not mistaken. I can't remember exactly. But 
Um, I like that Campo Verde Cactus Shadows matchup because Campo Verde has has proven, especially last year, that they know how to win on the road. They did it at Higley in the in the five A playoffs. They did it at Notre Dame Prep in the five A playoffs last year to get to the state title game. Um, and a lot of that defense and everything they run is is virtually the same. So I think that one will be interesting to see if Campo Verde can go on the road again and uh, pull off an upset, and then obviously have a shot at either Sunrise Mountain or Verado. This is, in a lot of ways, that game is just like um, the the game we were talking about before, Basha. Um, Campo Verde is a team that's been there before. Yep. Cactus Shadows isn't. This Cactus Shadows team hasn't been to the playoffs in a long time and won a playoff game in a long time either. Um, and this was kind of a surprise season. They were um, They were ranked in the open after the first rankings because they went uh, – they only lost – um, their second to last and last game of the year, and those were against uh, those were against other playoff teams. So Cactus Shadows kind of came out and surprised a lot of people, and I would not be surprised at either result, either team winning, because I just don't know um, that who. It's hard to judge what Cactus Shadows is. I just haven't seen them play against until those last two games, the kind of playoff caliber team. They did beat Verado, which is mm-hmm. an impressive win. But um, that is, uh, I don't know what else to think. Ironwood Desert Mountain is going to be a really good one. Um, yeah. and Desert Mountain has kind of turned things around, um, as you mentioned, because, you know, Conrad Hamilton and his staff over there. But I think this Ironwood team is really dangerous. Will has yeah. is great, their quarterback over there. They've yeah. got a bunch of great senior talent that is um, just really solid. And I think that that is going to be, a, you could call it upset alert or whatever, but I think that's a really, really easy bin matchup despite the 3-6 seeding. Um, and Ironwood, it's going to be hard to know what they're going to come out doing because they had to, uh, they had some COVID precautions. The, it wasn't confirmed whether they had any cases or anything, but they missed this last week of game um, just because of that. So um, may, hopefully they're not rusty coming in and everything, but I think that's going to be an excellent one. And then Notre Dame prep Sunny Slope is going to be great too. I yeah. think Sunny Slope has a lot to prove. They really only played maybe one or two playoff teams. They lost to Boulder Creek pretty badly, but Boulder Creek ended up being the 6A1 seed. So it's hard to it's hard to fault them for that loss. So I really don't know what to expect from Sunny Slope despite the two seed. And Notre Dame prep is there year after year. Uh, yeah. What do you say we get into 4A and wrap this up? Yeah, and really quick, uh, 5A across the board, we're looking at 8 Verado versus 1 Sunrise Mountain, 5 Campo Verde versus 4 Cactus Shadows, 6 Ironwood versus 3 Desert Mountain, and Notre Dame Prep at number 7 facing 2nd ranked Sunny Slope, as we just mentioned. Uh, 4A, now this is where the conference play-in games began, and obviously we had some issues with those because we saw Apache Junction have to forfeit, we saw Washington have to forfeit, and unfortunately for Mesquite, that brought them from the one seed down to the three seed, which provides the matchup that I'm going to talk about first. That's extremely interesting. Number six, Northwest Christian traveling to Gilbert to face the third ranked Mesquite Wildcats and for a division champion of 2019. Northwest Christian, if, if many people don't remember, I'm sure they do. 
was one of the teams involved in the lawsuit against the AIA because they did not want to move up from 3A. Um, I'm sorry, but that lawsuit clearly shows... Or I'm sorry, let me back up. Your performance this season clearly shows that that lawsuit was nothing more than just, uh, I don't know, stupid. Could you imagine um, this team in 3A the way they've been playing? It wouldn't be fair. It wouldn't be fair. Northwest Christian has absolutely dominated opponents. Um, aside from, I think they lost to ALA Queen Creek. And they lost and to maybe, Cactus. And they lost to Cactus. Who's a, who's a, who's a, yeah. And Cactus is one of the best 4A teams in the state. Um, even though their, their ranking doesn't show it, but, um, yeah, Northwest Christian, you are exactly where you belong. Sorry. Sorry for all the fans out there. Um, but this matchup right here, I think is going to be their true test because Mesquite is no joke. Mesquite's way better than the three seed. Mesquite should have been the number one team in the, in the four, a conference. I'm sorry, Casa Grand. You guys should have been number two. Um, that, that doesn't say anything. That, that's not taken away from what any of those other teams obviously have done, but Mesquite is by far the better team on paper, you know, just based on what they did. Yeah. Their only loss was to Sunrise Mountain. They literally clawed their way back into the game, and it was a shootout. And Sunrise Mountain is the number one seed in 5A. So, I don't know. I, I think that's – I hate the computer rankings with the AIA. I think they need to throw everything out next year and do a, a committee only. Uh, I think a lot of these problems would would be, you know, I guess adjusted or or resolved. I know they wouldn't ask me anyway, but I don't want to be on that committee, even though there was a zero percent chance that I was going to be on it anyway. But I think just because I think just because they said that you should be on the committee now. Nope. (laughs) Don't want to be. Anyway, so this Mesquite Northwest Christian matchup, I do think Mesquite is going to win this one, but I think it's actually going to be close. Uh, Ty Thompson, obviously is a, he's a five-star quarterback. It's going to be very hard to stop him. Andrew Morris is awesome. Eric Lear has been phenomenal for Mesquite. Um, their defense has stepped up when needed, obviously, you know, forcing big stops against Sunrise Mountain to prevent them from scoring and letting Mesquite claw back into that game. Um, but in this instance, I do believe Mesquite is the better team. And I do think they're going to get the win. If I'm wrong, like I've said before, I'm wrong. So be it. Um, but I think it's really hard to stop Ty Thompson, especially Ty Thompson in the playoffs. It's something special. This parallels Desert Edge um, going up into the open after their move up um, against a really established team, which I think Northwest Christian is the Desert Edge type against Mesquite, who's the champion in there. Um, and it's really just getting thrown to the wolves. Um, yeah. And... I mean, I guess thrown to the Wildcats is the apropos thing. But I think that this could be – this could go a lot of ways. And Northwest Christian has proven a lot this year. They're a tough team, and I Mm -hmm. think that they're going to be for years to come a solid uh, 4A team. But I think that Mesquite realizes that this is their last year with Ty Thompson. And I know they've they've got good players. They're not a bad team moving forward. But this is really their – this is it. Um the a guy a five-star quarterback at a 4a school doesn't come around that often um a five-star recruit doesn't come around that often for any school much less a small school like that um so i think mesquite's got a lot that they want to do i think coconino cactus uh the five four is a really interesting matchup that's a really good one because cactus is as we said one of the absolute best teams in 4a um you could argue they're the second or third best or whatever the the 
seeding um, notwithstanding. And Coconino's undefeated. They haven't lost a game. Um, I argued for them in the open. I didn't think that they were actually one of the best eight teams. <laughs> um, but I think it's still really impressive that they were 8-0. But they haven't played any of these um, playoff teams. And that's the thing. It's hard to know what they're actually made of because they haven't faced any of these guys. Um, so this is going to be, it's one that I really don't know what to think. And it's going to be interesting because, you know, Coconino is just, they've run up the score on a lot of squads, but then they also played a really close game against Marcos Denise, who's nowhere near this tournament. So I, it really just, this is the most confusing out of any of the matchups we've done. I don't know what to think on this one. Yeah, it's definitely, I don't know. It's really hard to predict any of these, which is why I know I'm sure you hate predicting matchups anyway. Um, But Coconino and Cactus, I think is going to be one of the premier matchups next week. I'm sorry, this week, I should say. Um, And I know, uh, I know Lance Hartzler, our friend up there with the Arizona Daily Sun and Flagstaff is going to have a fun one covering that. Um, To go down the line, I do want to ask one quick question about, uh, number eight Peoria and number one Casa Grande. Yeah. Um, is Peor is, is Casa Grande on upset alert, Eric? You know Peoria very well. Peoria has been one of the weirdest teams this year. Okay. They. Do, I don't even <laughs> know how to describe it. They got absolutely pummeled earlier in the year by um, Desert Mountain which ended up not being that bad because Desert Mountain's a quality 5A team. But no yeah. one – I think people were expecting Peoria to win that game at the beginning of the year. Yeah. And then just got destroyed by Cactus in a game that's been close the last couple years. And then they come out and they start winning these games. And I, don't, I just don't know what to think with them. I love yeah. Coach Babb. He's a great coach. Um, their offensive line has a lot of good guys on it. They've got some great defenders. They don't have a ton of size um, besides their line. A lot of their guys aren't very big, but they're quick. They're speedy. And, you know, they. this is a team that I don't know that I want to call it upset alert, but yeah. I just don't know much about Casa Grande either. Um, it's, they haven't played a lot of these squads either. So, yeah. um I think Peoria will give them a game. I would not be surprised to see Cathagrand win, but I, I don't think this will be a blowout in any sense. Yeah. Uh, we already talked about the first three matchups in the bracket. The final matchup, number seven, St. Mary's, who knocked off Post and Butte, a very good Post and Butte team, actually, uh, in the in the conference play-in tournament, and a red-hot ALA Queen Creek team as the number two seed. Um, I think St. Mary's uh, mini Cinderella run might end, you know, on Friday. But, I mean, hats off to them. They, they had a very good season overall as well. And, and, again, if I'm wrong, so be it. St. Mary's, if you're listening, go out and prove me wrong. Go win on Friday. Um, but LA talk- King Creek is, is talented across the board. I talked to Coach Lucero, St. Mary's coach. He's the first-year coach over there. Um after they got their seating um, in 4A, and I'm going to have a story on them kind of with Desert Edge, a combined type thing because of the coaching changes 
um, Lucero going from Desert Edge to this school. And the coolest thing that he described to me was that St. Mary's, the coach in playoff games, brings out gold pants and they don't wear them any other time. Um, nice. Okay. But so last week's win on Friday was the first time in 20 plus years that St. Mary's got a win wearing the gold pants. Uh, and Jose Lucero, guy who graduated from there, um, got to wear them and uh, get a win. So I obviously they want to win this game and not have that be the end of it. But that's a cool story in his first year to take a team that hadn't had any playoff success in a really long time um, to win a play-in game against a really talented team that people thought at the beginning of the year post and beat was as good as anyone in 4A. Yeah. Well, we, I, I posted you in my open division rankings for a while there. Yeah. And this, I mean, this says a lot. St. Mary's, I saw them play against Glendale and they don't have a star on that team. They run the ball a lot. Um, yeah. There's nobody on that team that really just stands out, mm-hmm. but they kind of just are one of those teams that gets it done because of their collective strength. So it's going to take a massive effort to take down this ALE Queen Creek team. But um, I think that they're going to fight. Absolutely. Uh, Really quick, we're not going to get too much into the games. I just want to read off the other matchups. In 3A, number eight, Thatcher versus number one, Yuma Catholic. Uh, Yuma Catholic has always been one of the top teams in that conference. They've been running 3A this year. They have been. And they've honestly, you can argue they've been running 3A for a very long time. Um, number five, Wickenburg against number four, Push Ridge. Number six, Round Valley, another mainstay when it comes to the postseason here in Arizona. Against number three, LA Gilbert North, who has done a phenomenal job this year. Um, you know, last year they dealt with a lot of injuries. They were kind of young and they still, you know, made a, I think that they went to the quarterfinals and now they're, uh, they find themselves as a top three seed in 3A. Um, Phoenix Christian at number seven is going to travel to take on number two, Snowflake. Uh, 2A conference, we're looking at number eight, Marenzi versus number one, Benson. Number five, Parker. Number four, Arizona Lutheran. Number six, Scottsdale Prep, whose only loss came to Scottsdale Christian in a battle of the Scottsdale uh, smaller schools. They're taking on number three, but arguably the top team in the 2A conference in Santa Cruz Valley. And number seven, St. John's faces a very good number two Scottsdale Christian team. And just because I don't want to leave them out, Williams and Muggion are uh, going to battle actually on uh, on Friday, actually. I believe that is the 28th. Um, 6 p.m. Coronado High School. That's for the 1A championship. Um, Man, that's a tough one. It's tough for um, me because I don't know a single thing about either of these teams. You know, Williams, I think, knocked off the, you know, quote-unquote number one team, and that was superior. But Muggion, if you look at their scores, they beat San Manuel 50-6, to and then they beat Baghdad 78-12. to um, In my opinion, it's very hard to bet against a team that is scoring that many points. So I'm going Muggion on this one. They've got the better name. I agree. Yeah, a lot of people may not even understand how to say it. It's uh, kind of strange, but, you know, whatever. Uh, also want to give a shout out to the Hamilton volleyball team. They took down Perry for the 6A state title over the weekend. Uh, believe it or not, Hamilton's first ever volleyball championship, despite being a contender essentially every single year behind Coach Vanis. So uh, congratulations to you, Hamilton. 
But with that, Eric, I think we're going to wrap things up here. Thank you all again for listening. Uh, give us all a follow on Twitter at Zach Elvira, at E. Newman Writes, at AZHSFB, and at Arizona Varsity. Again, thank you to Jordan Augustine for joining us. Make sure to give him a follow as well and the Ironwood basketball team. But with that said, Eric, I'm going to go try to get myself a PlayStation 5. How about you? I'm going to go to bed. All right. Fair enough. Thank you all again for listening, and we will uh, see you all next week.